I came here today and I was messed up. I haven't slept since four this morning. I vomited. I have every, everything in, that you can think of has attacked me. My kidneys, my stomach, everything. And I was like, Father, I have a responsibility. I have a duty. I'm not, even if I'm sick, I'm going to die. You know, and I try to worship, you know, and I said, Lord, I'm just, uh, I'm just, I'm not feeling it at the moment, God. But I know that you have put your trust in me uh, to give you this word today and as a minister in the house, and I wanted to honor that. And so, um, interesting enough is, you know, the pastor has chosen the topic of prayer, praise God, to begin to be shared with the church community, with you and our children, and the people in Bells, and everybody who comes, praise the Lord, for a reason. We're entering in, in a new season in our lives. We're entering in, in a new level in our lives. Have you noticed the way we're praising God now? Have you noticed the freedom that there is coming now? Have you noticed the change in where, the way we're worshiping right now? Praise the Lord. And that is God ushering us in, okay, bringing us to that place that he wants us to be. In order for us to be released from this place, we need to be ready. Praise the Lord. We haven't arrived yet, but we're getting there. Praise the Lord. Real quickly, I'm just going to just testify. I've been going. I, uh, my job had a, um, a merger. We did a merger with another company. And um, I've been there less than a month. And um, there was a very heavy spirit of oppression, depression, fear. Um, the, it just happens that the owner's brother is a Christian, but I don't know what he has shared or how he has shared it with the family. But the children, the sons that work with the father, have a very bad and negative attitude towards faith and belief and Christ and so on. And, um, you know, it's a struggle. God wants you to talk about prayer. The test comes. In order for me to share what I'm going to share today with you, I've had to go through the struggle about prayer. I've had to pray, pray to this place, pray over these people, begin to declare the word of the Lord over my life and their lives. And um, initially for me, I do two things. Either I want to bolt and leave, right? But then at the same time, you know, the spirit of the Lord grabs me and says, you know, this is a challenge, this is a test. Step it up, step to the challenge. And um, praise the Lord, you know, I've been praying and praying and my prayer group, we've been praying and uh, we're seeing and the Lord has given me a strategy, praise the Lord, for this facility. And as we were worshiping the Lord, you know, it, it, it's interesting how the Holy Spirit brings it to me, to my memory, that my boss, myself, and the other gentleman that works with us are all Christian. And we have been sort of dispersed to all the offices. In the main office, there's a Christian woman. In the downtown office, there's of the brother who's a Christian. And in the office of the Bronx is myself and the other sister, my boss, that were believers. And as we were praying and singing this song about no more shackles, I began to pray that and declare it over these people in my office. The, these, the people, my, the, my co-workers come to the job with fear, come to the job with oppression, come to the job with depression. And it's the kind of thing that it, it starts off in the day and it passes on to you and it passes on to the next person and the next person. And it's, imagine eight hours of oppression and depression in a job. I was saying to myself, I want out of here, God. I, I, don't, I don't know if I can deal with this anymore. I don't know if I can take it anymore. And so as we've we begun to pray, 
I ask God, yes, I know this is a challenge. Help me to meet the challenge. Help me to bring these people to the knowledge of Christ. Um, also, in this, um, as we were praying and we were singing that song, I was just declaring that those shackles be broken over the lives of those people. I have been praying First uh, uh, Thessalonians 5, 7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And I've had to walk with that kind of attitude as I'm walking to my job, as I walk into, my, into that facility, you know. Um, I've had to lay hands on everything, you know, and anoint it and declare that, that, you know, God has dominion in this place and not the enemy. And so I'm continuing to pray. My prayer group is praying along with me, pray for me. Um, I know that God wants to do something in there. It has to be broken over the lives of these people because how can you function in a place where you fear, where you feel oppression? But as we were singing today, there is freedom in Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord. Today, I want to share with you a little bit. I was asking the Lord, what I, am I going to share with you people in Calvary? And I just wanted to share a little bit about um, praying a Christ-like lifestyle. And I'm just going to share a little bit of statistics. And I, the reason why I'm doing that is I just want to bring you to an awareness. Because sometimes we're not aware of things. You know, things happen. You go on with your life. You continue to do the things you're doing. But you don't have an awareness that you're doing it. Uh, George Barna. Anybody know who he is? He's the gentleman, okay, who does marketing research that speci uh, specializes in the study of religious beliefs and behaviors of Americans. So they do a lot of polls and surveys with churches, groups, ministers, and so on. So I said, well, what, is Bar what did Barnard find about prayer in the churches? And this is sad, but it's the truth. That prayer is a low priority in the church. That means that very few people are praying or nobody's praying. We need to have a more ongoing, passionate prayer in both our personal lives and in our church lives. Okay? And so... Four out of five American adults, look at this, claim to have prayed to God during the past seven days. And that was more than any other single religious activity, they say, including reading the Bible and attending a worship service. Okay, so that means two out of five people might attend a worship service or read the Word. But four out of five people during a week pray. Okay, and that's what they're saying. Praise the Lord. Are you praying today? You know how that shirt comes out, you got milk? Have you prayed today? Praise the Lord. You need an awareness of that. We're about to enter in. And it's funny because everybody's sort of giving a little bit of what I wanted to speak today. Sister Jessica says talking about, um, you know, um, prayer. And she says saying, if we want to see the change, we got to pray. We have to pray. Have you prayed today? Before coming here, what were you asking God about? What did you expect to hear today? Do you pray, coming Lord, speak to me today? Do you say to yourself, I want to see your glory, I want to see your power? I don't want to come here as church as usual. I want to see the move of God. I want to see miracles. I want to see liberations. I want to see people coming to Christ. I want to see people running down these aisles, you know, getting on their knees and saying, God, I need you. Praise the Lord. Prayer. Prayer as a Christ-like lifestyle. As we know, what is prayer? Prayer is simply a simple act of communicating with your God. Why do you think some people don't pray? I believe that a lot of people don't pray because they feel uncomfortable. 
I believe a lot of people don't pray is because they don't know who they're praying to. I believe that if they had a relationship with God, that then they would pray. But since they don't have a relationship with God, since they have not taken time to be with the Lord, they don't pray. So prayer is a simple act of connecting with your God. I see some couples here. Praise the Lord. That's a sign of growth. Praise Jesus. When you're dating or you're going out or you're engaged or whatever it is, you do everything possible to get to know that person. And God is not the God of hooking up. God likes to marry. God is the God of covenant, which means it's perpetual. So when God connects with you, okay, he's interested in establishing a long-term relationship with you. But you know what? Relationships cannot be one-sided. You need two people. And God is waiting on you. Probably every morning hoping that today will be the day that you will say, Lord, here I am. Praise the Lord. So, prayer is a simple act of communicating with your God. Let's look at the definition of lifestyle. Lifestyle is a manner of living that reflects a person's values and attitudes. So, for those of you who pray, and your, is your prayer a life a prayer life of Christ-like style? Is it, of, it, does it represent values and attitude that represent Jesus Christ when you pray? Or are you praying, oh, I need that car, Lord. And I'm not saying that's not a bad thing, because sometimes I know a lot of people, especially in this season, they need a car to get to work. But are the, <laughs> praise the Lord, I say, speak a system. Um, but do you have, where are your priorities? What's important to you? When you get up in the morning, are you asking, asking, Lord, I need this, Lord, I need that, look at my, I need more increase in my job, I need a, my bank account to grow, let me hit the lotto, um, whatever. whatever it may be. Or are you connecting with your God early on in the morning? Are you connecting with your God? Prayer, a Christ-like lifestyle. When you begin to pray, and when you become a person of prayer, people know who you are. In your job, something happens, they don't go to anybody else. So who do they go to? The person that they know who connect with Jesus. They're the ones that get you in the bathroom and say, oh, please pray for me. My mother had a heart attack. Oh, please pray for me. My son is in jail. I don't want him to go to jail. Oh, please pray. You know, I'm about to lose my job. I don't know what to do. But they go to you because they know, obviously, you are reflecting the values and the attitudes of Christ in your life. And it's not just speaking, it's you're living it. And this is what I want to bring up across this morning. Prayer is a Christ-like lifestyle. It is part of who you are. It is not a separate part of you. It's a part of who you are and should be a part of who you are daily. Praise the Lord. Let me just share with you what prayer is. Prayer is basically where you present your present, your past, and your future hopes. It is also the place where you um, talk about your sorrow. A lot of us don't like to cry. You come to church and you could be dying to cry, but you're too, you're, too, you're too embarrassed because you don't want the people next to you to see that your boogers are coming down and that you're, you're, you're a mess, you know, your makeup is running, your hair is you're sweaty. You know, and you don't want them to see you in that position. But that is the place that many times as your soul is breaking, as your heart is breaking, that you meet God. That is the place many times that where God comes and reaches out his hand and says, it's okay, I'm here. That is the place many times where you see something happen in your life because you're saying, 
this is not about me, God. I can't do it by myself. I need you. And you need to establish in your life a lifestyle of prayer where you know that. That the person you're saying this morning, Lord, this is my day. This is my new day. And I know I can't make it without you. You know, because we are in a society right now where everybody believes that they can do it by themselves. That money is going to give you power. That things are going to give you power. That you're it. Okay? So, even in your sorrows, praise God. You, when you're praying, pray, cry. It's okay. It's also the place where, you know, as you're talking to him daily, and you begin to form that relationship, it's that place where God begins to transform you. Okay, you cannot stay the same way you came into this place. You cannot stay uh, uh, depressed, angry, maybe violent, okay, or maybe not that, um, what do you call it, what would be the word, um, the kind of person doesn't get involved, the kind of person doesn't care. You can't stay that way. You need to care when you come to this church today, I feel that something has broken in me and over this place where I am, I am working at, so that when I leave today, I, I, I feel free. Whatever I was feeling that was over me, it's, it's leaving. I want to feel the same feeling Monday, um, Tuesday morning. That when I go into that place and I step in there, I know who's with me. I know who's with me. I know who's with me. Okay? So, as you're leading this Christ-like lifestyle, if that's what you choose, because this is a question of choice also, okay? It is the place where you begin to be transformed. I, um, I had written it somewhere, but I'm going to talk about it right now. Anybody here familiar with John Maxwell? Okay. John Maxwell says in one of his books that it takes 21 days to either make or break a habit. Okay, so you don't pray. So get in the habit of praying. It doesn't mean that you have to go into the prayer closet. Some people got these elaborate prayer closets. I don't know if you've ever seen one. But they got that big boom box and all their CDs and their 20 million Bibles and their candles and all, like a little room, and they go in there and they tell their family, don't, don't, don't bother me, I'm going to go in my prayer closet. The Jew has their talit, which is that prayer shawl that you see. That is their prayer closet. That's what that represents. And so they go in on the police and they begin to pray. An interesting thing about the Jew is this, that when they pray, it's called davening. And when they david, okay, and you see the Jewish people, do you ever see them going like this? And you ever see them on TV when they're banging their hands like that? What they're doing is a combination of prayer and worship at the same time. They are singing their prayers unto the Lord. And as they begin to sing as a community and as a group, praise the Lord, the presence of the Lord begins to come over them. Praise God. And they seem to come out to connect with the Lord. Praise the Lord. In that davity, in that worship prayer. Praise God. You need to be transformed. And the only way you're going to be transformed and the only way those things that you have in you that are still bad, that are still existing in your life, that need to be broken off is through prayer. Bible clearly tells you that something's got to go, and the only way they're going to go is through what? Prayer and fasting. If you have still some bad habits that got to go, you've got to present it before the Lord. You need to pray. Prayer as a Christ-like lifestyle. The lifestyle of praying is about being. Does anybody know what it means to be? I see people here of all ages, of all uh, lifestyles, of all kinds of, you know, uh, ways of being. It's just being you. I don't want to represent so-and-so. I'm not so-and-so. I'm not Joyce Myers. I'm not Pastor Victor. I'm not, um, who else? Anybody out there? I'm not any of the people who are well-known in the gospel world, but I am you. And God wants to meet with Gail. 
with Al, with my sister here, with Minister Ross, with Dennis. God wants to meet with you on a daily, um, daily in your life. But not also only, only daily, but at every moment of your life. You know, because we also have a, a way of thinking that praying is uh, like, for instance, from 10 o'clock to 11 o'clock in the prayer time. But is prayer from 10 o'clock to 11 the only time you can pray? No, it's not. But he wants you to be who the real you. Because at the end of the day, God made you and he knows you. And he knows who you are. So when you go to him, don't go trying to be, oh, Lord, thou God, creator of the universe. Be yourself. Say, God, I've had a horrible, miserable day, and I need you. I don't even feel like praying to you right now, but I know that I cannot continue to stay in the way that I am at the moment. I need to grow. I need to change. I need to connect. Help me so that this doesn't, I don't share this with my family members or the people around me. Help me. Be yourself. And we have started in my prayer group to be ourselves. So then we've been doing, we're practicing worshiping. That's the one that's to practice, right? We're practicing worshiping. As we're this one day, instead of praying, all of a sudden we just started dancing and just in the joy of the Lord and just freaked out. We just went out there and did our thing. Praise the Lord. And then after all the joy and the laughing and the singing and so on, as the Spirit of the Lord just came, very gently we began to pray. Praise the Lord. And somebody who's, you know, who's struggling as a believer and growing in the Lord as a new baby in Christ said, you know, this is the best time I have. Because their idea of praying or their idea of of the people in church is kind of stuffy. But they, this is a, a moment for us to tell them, be yourself. Be yourself. The other thing is resting in Him. That's the hardest thing to do. To rest in God because we want to fix it all. You know, it's broken, we want to fix it. There's a situation, we want to come to the rescue. And we don't know how to rest. So you go to bed and it's in your head. You wake up and it's in your head. You know, you talk to your family and you're talking about the same thing. You don't find rest. And the hardest thing is to rest in him. That is when you have to release it totally. Uh, we went to the minister's um, retreat. And they made us do these activities where some of us were blind and some of us were um, directing, telling the person, but, you know, couldn't hear and so on. So everybody had like a different handicap, not seeing or not speaking, right, or not hearing, I think it was. And how to guide somebody who can't hear, can't see, and can't touch or can't speak, Okay. And so we had to trust in each other to be guided so that we didn't have an accident if somebody broke a leg or, you know, or got hurt. But God wants you to trust in him. Find your rest in God. God is waiting to hear from you. How many people really connect at one point or another during the day with God and actually say, Lord, I'm here. And don't say anything. That's okay, too. You don't have to say anything. Just be. You don't have to say anything, just trust. You don't have to say anything, just rest. At the end of the day, after you come from work, you're tired, you bust it up, you would like somebody to come, massage your feet, right? Do something nice for you, and you need to rest. And it, well, how lovely it is when you can rest in the Lord. Praying as a Christ-like lifestyle, that should be part of who you are. Not that it's separate from Jessica. Not that it's separate from Matthew. Not that it's separate from me. But it is part of who you are daily. The same way you have brown hair or black hair or blonde hair and blue eyes. Praying should be part of who you are. It's part of your DNA. It's in there. God has sequenced things in you. Prayers in you. The Bible says that 
when you don't know what to pray for, ask the Holy Spirit. Because it is the Holy Spirit that will give you the prayer to pray with. I don't know what to pray. Then be quiet and sit down and wait. Put your rest in God. He's going to lead you in it. Also, praying is about coming together and being present. It's about being with God. And that's what I like about the Jews. That when they come together to pray, it's part of community. And we've been struggling here as a church to come here as a community. To come here and be in the presence of the Lord. We, you know, take our time to just share with God about, you know, release all our garbage, right? When we come and, and, and get on our knees and just uh, cry and be before the Lord right before we come to pray. And then pray as a community. There's so much we have to pray for. We want to get out of here. But has anybody gone out to this community? When Sister Jessica and I went, it was freezing, freezing, freezing. And we didn't even touch, I think, a third of the houses and mailboxes, okay, in this community alone. We only went maybe five streets, something like that. I don't know where the guys went. I think they went up to, um, uh, where was it, where the mall is at, praise the Lord. But this is a big community in there. There are a whole bunch of different types of houses and different types of styles. There are a whole bunch of different types of families, okay, and they all need Jesus. And it is only your prayer for this community that is going to bring them in. And it's only that prayer that will bring him and fill these chairs. And it's only those prayers that is going to come and usher us out of this place. But as long as you decide to wait, then Sister Liz does it. That Sister Liz does the prayer. That Brother Dennis does the prayer. That Rochelle does the prayer. Because we're all waiting. You know, a lot of times we talk a lot of stuff and we share with each other. Oh, man, how come they don't do this? Well, God is waiting for you. Do it. What are you waiting for? I come. I have a lot of ideas. You can pick my brain to all you want. But at the end of the day, what are you waiting for? Stop asking and waiting for so-and-so to do it. Do it. Step out. Meet the challenge and do it. And if you begin to pray, God is going to give you the strategy on how you're going to do it. Prayer should be a place where it's safe for you to share your sorrows. Where you can share everything with the Lord. I always said that I could have been the scuzz of the earth. But I feel so comfortable with my God, I can tell my God anything. I may not tell you, but I can tell my God. There's no shame in telling my God. The Bible says that what? That he loves us unconditionally. That means that there's not a condition. If you're bad today, doesn't mean he's not going to love you tomorrow. He's still going to love you. He's still going to love you. Everybody probably, I don't know how many people saw that uh, Whitney Houston's funeral. I cried like it was she was my, my family member, you know. But I cried also because I see that she came from a family who loved God. And she was in the midst of a struggle, okay. And in the midst of a struggle, she still, from the testimonies that people were giving, she was still looking for God. God didn't stop loving with me. I think that, and I, I'm starting to believe that just as she was taking those steps to come back, okay, the enemy snatched her. Because there's a lot of power in that woman. There was a lot of power in that woman. God was using her in the church. And she had a praying mother. And one of the things that her sister said to the, to the audience was um, that she wanted to reassure her that every seed that she had planted in her daughter, she was practicing in those last days. Okay, Even the guy who was her brother-in-law, who was her bodyguard, he was saying that she had a Bible and it was like all messed up and he called it raggedy. Okay, Because she still knew 
that she can trust in the Lord. That everybody could judge her, and everybody could say all kinds of wrong, but at the end of the day, God wasn't judging her. He still loved her. Prayer as a Christ-like lifestyle. Prayer should bring us together as a community. You know, when are we going to decide to come here as a community and begin to pray? We begin to pray for simply the people down the block. The Muslim in that store. Do you know he's Muslim? Do you know that his kid came out to our event, um, Battle of the um, Ages? Yes, he did. He sat through the whole message where the guy was doing the balloons for the kids, listening to the message. What is my prayer for the Muslim community? I pray that God will reveal himself to the Muslim community, that God will begin to visit the home, the, the, the what do you call it, the, those temples, that wherever that they have an encounter with the almighty God and actually have a visitation that will begin to change these people and break off the yoke of bondage that is over them. So I come this morning, and who's, who's my taxi driver? A Muslim. And then he has that, 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 that call that they do, and I'm over here with my eyes closed, even though I wasn't feeling well, but I was praying and declaring life and salvation unto this people. But if I'm not praying, then who's going to pray? They could be whatever they want. There's a lot of negative things that we, we, we feel and we believe, but they need salvation too. Um, I'd like somebody to read from 1 Thessalonians First Thessalonians 5.17 basically says, pray without ceasing. How many of you, when you're on the, on the train, pray? How many people, when you're on the, the bus, pray? How many people, when you're walking on the street, you pray? How many people in your job are you praying? How many people in your house are you praying? The Bible says, pray without ceasing. It doesn't have to be that 5 to 7 or that 1 hour, that 15 minutes or whatever. It doesn't have to be that. Pray without ceasing. You see somebody in a car accident begin to clear life for that person, that that person doesn't die without knowing Christ Jesus, and that God gives him an opportunity to know Christ Jesus before that he goes. How many times I haven't seen people, men and women, committing violence? You know, a, a, a man hitting a woman, and I begin to intercede and pray, God, don't let her lose her life at this moment. Don't let violence come over them, you know. Um, I begin to pray, and I begin to declare in the name of Jesus that, um, what do you call it? Life. Life to my community. Life to my people. I live in the South Bronx, and everybody knows about the Boogie Down Browns. I live in a place where every time I, I, I used to pray, oh, Lord, get me out of here. But obviously that's not what God's plan is. God wants me to send saying, oh, Lord, get me out of here. Bring salvation to so-and-so. Bring salvation to those drug dealers. Bring to salvation to those people who are bringing death to the community. Because if I'm not praying, then who's praying? Somebody got to pray. Somebody has to be light in the midst of darkness. 
Christ as a, uh, excuse me, prayer as a, a Christ-like lifestyle. I just want to piggyback a little bit on something that Natalie and Brandon shared with us last week, which was principle and preference, but I'm going to add another piece, persistence. Prayer is about being persistent. It's not about praying today, Lord, I need you to intervene, and then you don't pray anymore. It's about you being persistent. There's a story in the Bible that says that there was a woman who had a need. And she went to the person who had authority to do in favor of her. So what did she do? She went, knocked the door of the guy, became a judge, and knock, 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 need your help, do something. Oh, go back, you know, to turn her away, she turns away. She comes back another day, knock, knock, knock. I need you to help. You're the man. You know, they turn her away. But her persistence won out. She went knowing that she served a living God. And so her persistence won her access to the person who had authority. Who had, do we have that has authority? Who's the one, as we pray to, will give us those things that we need and we want or that are good for us? Who can act on our behalf? The living God. But if you don't pray it, you're not going to see it. Persistence. When I was looking up um, principle, um, Natalie and Brandon talked about it. Principle is a basic truth or a law. So God has given us in 1 Thessalonians 5.17 a basic truth or a law. Pray without ceasing. It doesn't mean stop. It means continually whenever it comes to memory. How many times are you not sitting at your desk and you're thinking about, wow, I'm wondering what's happening with someone, someone in your situation. Pray. How many times you haven't gotten up from bed and all of a sudden in your heart you just feel like I gotta pray for so and so? Pray. Pray without ceasing. Pray for your family. I have been praying for my family to come to Christ, declaring the word of God over my life, which is that if I come to the Lord Jesus Christ and I'm saved, that my family too will be saved, declaring that word. But if I don't pray it, I'm not gonna see it. So you need to pray. Be persistent. Press in. And I think today is some, that's an example of pressing in. As we were praying and as we were worshiping, we began to press in. And as you begin to press in is when you begin to see things in the heavenly begin to move. Did we not press in? Did we not press in? Did we not press in? But it requires you being persistent in order for you to see God's hand move. Um, there are like four times during the day that you can begin to pray. How many people know that in the, at the start of your day, you need to command or declare what your day should be? Somebody read Job 22, verses 27 and 28. Only verses 27 and 28. Job 22, 27 and 28. That for me was like, oh, wait a minute. I haven't declared and commanded my day how it should be. You know, you go to work and you hope that everything is normal, that everything is okay, but you don't know what you're going to confront when you get to church. I mean, excuse me, you don't know what you're going to confront. Uh, Job 22, verses 27 and 28. What you're going to confront at your job. Amen. 
So in this day, you want your day to good do? Demand, command, and declare. Say, Lord, I'm going to have a good day today. Favor is over me. Nobody will ever tell me no. Things will do uh, work okay. Those people in my job that are acting crazy, Lord, you're going to take care of it. You know, but begin to command and declare, and with authority. Because when you have a relationship with your God, and you know who he is, okay, the God that you are serving, when you pray that, when you pray that way, you're going to pray with assurance. You're going to pray knowing. Not just thinking, uh, uh, Lord, you know, um, can you please? No. You're going to pray commanding and declaring that it's going to be because God said so. Praise God. And that's usually early in the morning, before you go to work. You've got to start your day praying. Present yourself for the Lord. Ask God to protect you, that there could be no accident. Ask God to, how he's going to use you on that day. Last year, the Lord put it in my heart to just begin to ask that. Lord, use me. I don't know how you want to use me. I don't know what's using me. giving money, um, helping somebody, blessing somebody. But I began to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And I began to be sensitive to what was going on around me. And then what I began to do is to see what was going on, and I began to allow God to use me. And this is a short testimony. Um, uh, in my office in Manhattan, there was a woman who was obviously mentally ill, and um, she began, she sat down in front uh, of the tree in the front door of my office, and then she began to curse and began to talk to herself and began to get like violent. Now, the building that I was in had one of those uh, security cameras, and the super comes out and tells her, like, lady, you got to get out of here. You know, you can't be doing that because she was harassing people. And as she began to do that, and he began to tell her to get out, she really went off. And I looked at her, and I said, this is not an old person. She wasn't dirty, or funky smelling, you know, but she was mentally ill. And as I got up and I started to walk around my office, I said, Lord, tell me how I am going to bless this person. What am I going to do at this moment? As, as I'm looking at her and trying to clean up at the end of the day, it was during the summer when it was really hot with blazing heated days. And as I left my, uh, my office, I stopped and I said, are you thirsty? She said, yes. So I went to the store. I got a, a big bottle of water and I gave it to her. Now my concern was that this lady who was mentally ill was going to do something and she was going to be arrested. God knows what was going to happen now. So as I gave her the water, she, was, she stood um, at, uh, at the same spot. I went to deposit some mail in the mailbox, which wasn't very far, which was like going to the end of that door behind us. And when I turned around, the lady wasn't gone, was gone. And I said, you know what, Lord, thank you. Because she was thirsty, literally thirsty. But it was a touch of somebody's kindness. Praise the Lord. Let it be that that changed her. Let it be that thing that prevented her to the point to maybe, um, what do you call it? Um, I, God, I'm like a little bit, um, what do you call it? The place where they take these people mentally ill. Institution, thank you. And so, I, you know, I thank God. And God just began to use me with little things like that. Simple thing. It's a simple thing. But you've got to pray it. You've got to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Only way you're going to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit is when you pray. Praise the Lord. Prayer. Christ-like lifestyle. At 3 o'clock. There's a prayer. You can pray at 3 o'clock. Now, I know a lot of people are going to say, wait a minute, I'm at my job. I can't pray. Yes, you can. While you're sitting there, you're doing your work, you could be praying in your head. You could be talking and presenting people in your job. You could be presenting family members. It doesn't require you to get in front of, on, on your knees and doing all kinds of stuff. You can begin to pray at 3 o'clock. Why is 3 o'clock important? Somebody read Luke 23, 44. 
something very important happened at that time. as it can read it. Praise God. It is the time that Jesus Christ died. It is the time that the veil in the temple was rendered into. It is the time in which we were given full access to the throne of glory. In other words, there was nothing anymore. We don't need to go to no priest. We have the priest, which is Jesus Christ. We have the one who intercedes on our behalf. We have the one that we can come to. So at 3 o'clock, it's a good time for you to go to the throne of glory and begin to pray. Those people who are not working in our home, pray at 3 o'clock. Present your situations. Present your family situation. Present the things around your neighborhood. Whatever it is, how the Holy Spirit is leading you, begin to pray at that time at 3 o'clock. The other hour is the midnight hour. Somebody read Acts 16, 25 verses, uh, chapter 16, verse 25 to 31. How many people all of a sudden you, you wake up, you went to sleep, whatever, and at 12 o'clock you're up, you're awake, praise the Lord. You're like, I can't sleep. Sometimes instead of eating or doing something else, get on your knees. Sometimes just sit down on your bed. Take time to pray. The midnight hour is the time when the new day begins after a long day of struggle. In Acts 16, Verses 25 or 31. Paul and Silas were in jail. And as they're worshiping, because look what they're doing. They're in jail in stocks. You know what stocks are? Where they stick your feet in and they put like another board in and they put chains on you, right? And the guys are obviously uncomfortable. I'm assume, assuming they were in a dirty, funky cell, you know. But at 12 o'clock at the midnight hour, when things, a new day is coming, when new change is coming, they began to worship the Lord. And what happens? God shows up. God shows up at that time. So that's a good time to pray too, at the midnight hour. That time when things are new things are coming. So if, if you don't have time to pray at three, if you don't have time to pray at that one uh, early in the morning, pray at the midnight hour. And lastly, the um, fourth watch. The fourth watch is a time where God begins to release a revelation of who he is. If you read in Matthew 14, verses 22 and 34, Okay, it talks about how Jesus was with um, the disciples, the apostles, and as he was um, in that, um, what do you call it, with them on the ocean and the waters, it says that a violent wind came and a storm came and began to rock that boat. And the, those guys, obviously, I don't know how many people have been on a boat or how many people have been on a ship or how many people, and it's really moving, it's scary. And I imagine them with no technology in that day. That thing rocking like crazy, you know, they probably were saying, well, what, what can we throw out first and, uh, you know, uh, what, what do you call it? Hold on to something, praise the Lord. And then it says that as Paul begins to look 
um, excuse me, Peter, I think it is, right, begins to look, and he looks out. He sees somebody coming, but he didn't recognize him. Interesting enough, the apostles, had, the disciples had been walking with Jesus Christ for so many, for three years, and they still didn't know who he was. They didn't have the full understanding of who he was. But they called out, and they began to say, God, save us, do something, Lord, help. And all of a sudden, he sees who coming. He didn't recognize him, but he saw Christ coming. And it's a time of revelation that God reveals to us. So there's something that happens in the, 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 the heavenly realm, something um, miraculous that happens during that time when you pray between the 3 and 6 o'clock in the morning. It's, I know some, a lot of people, it's a heavy time. I know from a lot of people, they don't want to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning or 3 o'clock. I don't like to get up. I've been telling Holy Spirit, I'm tired. i got to go to work tomorrow. Can we do it another time? And you know what I do sometimes? I begin to pray and I fall asleep. But then I said, Holy Spirit, if I fall asleep, wake me up. Bad choice. If you tell the Holy Spirit to wake you up, he'll wake you up. I've actually heard inside me, they call me by my name. And I hear somebody say, Helen. And all of a sudden I say, oh my God, sorry, Holy Spirit. I fell asleep. You know, praise the Lord. Yeah, I got to apologize. I'm sorry. The watches. Under Romans, the Roman system, okay, they divided the watches into four. And the reason why I share that with you is because the first watch um, during that time used to be from sunset to 9 p.m. And then the second watch was from 9 to midnight. The third watch was from midnight to 3 a.m. And then the fourth watch was from 3 in the morning to 6 o'clock in the morning. So if you want to enter and into you know, the presence of the Lord, take a watch. And in your case, you can put the 4 o'clock watch if you like to. And then, you know what? I find that when you're obedient to God and obedient to the Holy Spirit, even if you have to go to work the next day, you don't feel tired. You feel revived. You feel energized. You feel like you're walking on air. You feel like, wow, I got some power in me. Praise the Lord. And that's God. And I know it is God. Praise the Lord. Christ and prayer as a Christ-like lifestyle. This church, myself included, because I'm not just including, you know, just saying Christianity, but all of us, we need to have that kind of lifestyle in our life. We need to begin to pray and make it part of our every being. We need to teach our children. I was reading that a uh, way that a church grew um, was that they made these little prayer pillows for the kids, and in the pillows they put like these little pockets and they put notes, you know, prayer petitions. And they, be, they, they made the pillows look nice, like Medora, whatever, Spider-Man. And then they gave the kids a choice, pick it up. And then they began to pray. And they began to teach the children how to pray. The children were excited because they had a pillow, and now they have something they want to pray for. We need to talk to our children and begin to say, you are important too. You have a calling upon your life. It is time that you also join us in prayer. And I know sometimes when we're praying here, um, on Wednesdays and, and, and Mondays. Sometimes it's difficult when they're running around or whatever, but have compassion. Because you think they're not listening, but they are. You think that they're not noticing what you're doing? They're, you think that they're not noticing if you're having a conversation or texting or doing something else? Because the moment you want to bring correction, they're saying, you did it. We need to speak into their lives. We need to pray. Is prayer part of who you are? Is prayer part of your lifestyle? Do you want to see change in your life? that Barnard study, they said that prayer for believers is to be used to mobilize um, mission opportunities. And I'm not talking about abroad. This is your mission here, your neighborhood, your family, your job. Prayer should be intentional. You're going to come to the Lord with an intent. You know what you want. You know what you need. This is what I need, Father. This is what's happening. Prayer for the lost and the unreachable groups. Are we praying for the lost and the unreachable? 
Are we coming to church eating, 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 eating spiritually and then not giving anything up? Are we praying for this community? We want to get out, but we don't, we don't have our chance for people. There's a community out there waiting for you that needs you. Praying for new people to get new people. Guess what, people? It is not the pastor that gives birth to sheep. It is the sheep that give birth to sheep. So in other words, it is in you to give birth to some other new sheep. So the new people out there, um, that brother back there in the corner, Nate was saying, praise and God bless you, brother, because you know what? This is the sheep going out there to get new sheep. He might not have all the knowledge, you know, but he has a desire and a heart to do it. Praise God. And that should make us say, wait a minute, if he's doing it and he just obeyed me in Jesus, then I should be doing it too. Praise God. So, praise the Lord. Um, think about prayer as a Christ-like lifestyle. Change those values and those attitudes so that they coincide with Christ Jesus. So that your prayer is like the prayer. When I pray many times, I say, Father, give me your heart. Help me to pray the way you want me to pray. Make me feel what breaks your heart. Make me feel what is painful to you. Give me what it is that you want me to be your desire. Okay, because if it's our desire, it's not always good. But we need to have the desire of God. We're about to enter in people. I know we're, we're, we're working on it. I, I, I'm just sensing a, 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 a spiritual growth in us. It's beautiful, but it cannot stop there. If you haven't established a prayer life, then begin to. Start very simple. Start with 15 minutes every day in the morning. Select the time. If everybody in your house is quiet at 6 o'clock, then select 6 o'clock from 6 o'clock to 6.15. Practices every, every, every day for 21 days. It will become natural to you. As you begin to pray, as you begin to pray, then your prayer will become longer. And then you'll be on your knees for a long while, or you'll be standing out for a long while, however the Lord will you. And then you're going to look at the clock and you say, wow, I prayed an hour. Wow, I prayed two hours. Wow, I prayed three hours. But begin to make it part of who you are as a lifestyle. You're going through lots of situations in your life. This, the 2000s have come with so much heaviness, so much sadness. So much stress to a lot of people that a lot of people have taken, you know, their lives. Uh, a lot of people have done crazy things. You know, people who have had big positions and uh, have killed themselves, bank robbery, done all kinds of craziness. We need to pray, people. We need to pray. We're not going to grow unless we pray. We're not going to grow unless you know who you are serving. You need to connect. You need to fall in love with your God. You need to know how He likes you to come to Him. Because guess what? The way I come to my God is not the way you come to your God. I might cry crying my head off. You might cry, come to him with joy and laughter. Get to know your God. Have that relationship so that you can grow. Are you hungry to see this church grow? Are you hungry to see this church come out of here and go into the new place? How many people are? Okay, so then you're going to have to make a commitment. Because if God is a God of covenant, he's waiting for a ring. Where's your ring? How many uh, people are really committed to establishing that relationship with God? In all the midst of distress that I had in my job, and as I was praying that song about the shackles, I was just declaring over the life of these people, declaring that God, I serve a God of covenant, that I am his daughter. Okay? that I'm part of the beloved. 
the apple of his eye. But the only way I can say this is because I know. You know? So my brothers and sisters, just want to everybody just stand for a moment. Praise God. And I just want everybody just to lay hands over your heart. Praise God. And just do an introspective for, you know, 60 seconds. Think about, you know, where you lack, you know, that you haven't prayed, if you haven't taken out the time necessary maybe to pray with your God, to establish that relationship the way he would like to do. Think about it. Um, how would you as a boyfriend would feel if your girlfriend wouldn't call you? How would you as a boyfriend would feel if, um, what do you call it? Yeah, your girlfriend wouldn't call you or, your, or, or the opposite. How would you feel that you are desirous to be in the company of that that you created that is most lovely? Because the Bible says that when he created man, it was a good thing. How is it that you have not connected with your God? Take 60 seconds. And try to begin to establish something new in your heart. That it can become a lifestyle for you. Don't wait for somebody else to be praying. You pray. You have situations in your household. Don't wait for sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so. Then I'm more powerful than you. We're all spirituals. God has given us the power. Ask God to put it in you that to break those, that, that, that lazy habit that we have of, of wanting to sleep more and, and spending times, hours and hours watching TV, playing on the computer, texting. I'm just amazed at the amount of technology that we have that God has given us the intelligence to build, but still we have used it against our own God. It is robbing our God's time and our relationship with Him. Maybe as a family, you want to come together, you want to say, we're going to do an hour of no texting, no TV, no computer. Take it a time to pray and to worship the Lord in your house. With your children, you want your children to come to church, you want your children to pray, they need to see a praying mother and a praying father. Don't try to teach them something if you don't practice. We need to pray and lift up our pastors, praise God. He's a man of God and he's a human like everybody else. And if it isn't our prayers that lift them up, he's not going to have the energy and the strength to continue to take us and walk us into the promised land. Did you pray for your pastor? Make pray. And pray. Christ-like lifestyle.